Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. So this morning we're going to talk about the reason that we are here. Uh, we'll be going, if you've been still following along in your reading plan, this week's a big week in your reading because you jump from the Old Testament right into the New Testament. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and you look at the Bible and we wonder why, there, why is there an Old Testament? Why is there a New Testament? And, and really it's like life in general. You go from the Old into the New. It's a constant cycle. And in God's Word, there's two different periods of biblical history. There's two covenants, the Old Covenant and the New Testament. So we have, I said Testament. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so from Genesis to Malachi, throughout the Old Testament, it's looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. He's, he, he's on his way. We're anticipating God sending this Savior. And then you have about a 400-year gap between the close of the Old Testament and the opening pages of the New Testament. And then the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, pick up on the story of the Messiah who is finally here. After all of these thousands of years anticipating His arrival, God has sent Him to us and is here. And He's in this little town called Bethlehem. And you're going to read uh, the first part of each of those four Gospels this week. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of those different Gospels give the same story but from a little bit of a different perspective and for a different purpose. This morning, though, I want to look at the Gospel of John. And we're going to look at John chapter 1. The Gospel of John was written by, guess who? John. Not John the Baptist, though. John the Apostle. One of the two sons of Zebedee that we read about. Jesus called James and John the sons of thunder. This John was one of those sons of thunder. He is also one of Jesus' inner circle. One of those handful of disciples that he took and did things with that he didn't do with the other 12. Uh, it's the disciple that we read about. The Bible says that Jesus loved. Apparently he was real close to the Lord. He also wrote not only the Gospel of John, but he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and the book of Revelation. So he did a lot of writing. And he's the only disciple out of those 12. He's the only one that would go on and die of natural causes. All the others were martyred for their faith. But he loved the Lord, and he was committed to the Lord, and they tried to kill him. They dipped this apostle in some boiling oil, tried to kill him, and he'd survive somehow. They exiled him to the island of Patmos where he got the revelation from Jesus and wrote the book of Revelation. And he had a very unique relationship, I believe, and you'll see this as you read through his gospel. He had a very unique relationship with the Lord. I think he had a deep understanding of who Jesus was as the Messiah, as Emmanuel, as God himself. And our goal this morning, as we look through what John tells us, is for us to begin to see and appreciate Jesus the same way that John saw and appreciated Jesus. Somebody asked me one time, if you could go back and visit any Bible character that you could visit, who would you want to see? And apart from Jesus, I think I'd want to sit down and talk to John the Apostle. 
Let's look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. We'll read these together and then we'll talk about what John's telling us. John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. John Couch, that's your Bible verse. That is your life verse, wherever you're at. And anybody named John? John 1, 6. He, he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be called children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me, because He existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from His fullness. For the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is Himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed Him. There's several things, right? I mean, this is some meaty stuff right here, guys. There's a few things I want to highlight for you that John teaches us about Jesus. And the first one is that Jesus is the eternal Word. And what John's doing is he's painting a word picture for us about who Jesus is. A couple of a couple of years ago, I was driving down the holler and uh, stopped to witness to a couple of women. And it was obvious to me what these women were up to and where they were going. And so I began to tell them about Jesus. And I said, eventually, ladies, you know, look, here's, here's the bottom line. Jesus is better than anything you're going to find up in the head of this holler where you're headed. And Jesus had rolled, <laughs> Easton had rolled his window down. And had been listening this whole time. And he's sitting back there in his car seat. And when I said that, he said, Jesus is also invisible. And I was like, yes, son, he is. I don't think that's real helpful in this moment. But thank you for, for chiming in. But, but what does John mean when he says Jesus is the Word? Or in the beginning was the Word. He uses this Greek word, Lagos, And what this word typically refers to is the eternally existing word of God, the very word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so John is teaching us that the Son of God has always existed, that even before creation, even before Jesus of Nazareth, the man, walked on the face of this earth, the Son of God was there with God, and He was God. He was active in creation. John explicitly said nothing that's ever been made was made apart from the Son of God. And so John's words, though, reflect what passage of Scripture here? 
the opening of the Old Testament. Isn't that amazing how God can open the Old Testament and open the New Testament with almost the exact same words? We've got creation in the Old Testament. We've got the recreation in the New Testament. But it reflects Genesis chapter 1 when the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes on to say, The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the faces, face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1 says something amazing. It says, Then God, He didn't do, He said. Then God said, Let there be light. And what happened? There was light. Yes, it happened. Thank you. God merely speaks. These words come forth from his mouth and all of a sudden there's something where there was nothing. Everything where there was nothing. And so John is equating Jesus not only to the eternal God, but to God's eternal word and the, and the power of the word to create something from nothing or in our case to recreate something from something that was very broken. It's also the expression of, of God the Father to us. He's saying just as God's word reveals God himself to us, this person, Jesus, is perfectly revealing to us who God is. He is teaching us everything we need to know about God the Father. He's teaching us that Christ is eternal. He's teaching us that our Savior is also our Creator. Isn't that awesome? That the one that made us is also the one that's going to save us. He's teaching us that Jesus is from, as the Bible says, everlasting to everlasting. That He is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. And not only did He exist in eternity past, and not only did He walk the earth in John's day, but the Bible teaches us someday in the future He's coming back. And John captured this over in Revelation chapter 19 when he said, Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse. This is the same John telling us this too, guys. He said, Its rider is called Faithful and True, and with justice he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. And he had a name written that no one knows except himself. And he wore a robe dipped in blood. Thank you, Jesus. And his name is called the Word of God. Aren't you glad that we serve, that we have a living Savior? Our God is the only God that came and died for his people and rose from the dead and is coming back for us. Now, notice what else we see in, in verse 4 here. John says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And this is, seems like a really simple point, but the point is Jesus is light and life. Now, we're going to dig into that a little bit because there's a lot there. I know some of you have been down in a deep, dark coal mine before. If you haven't, maybe you've been in one, in a cave or something, but you go in these places, and man, just as soon as you get around the corner, I mean, you've heard people say it's pitch black. You literally can't see anything in front of your face. I mean, it's just a You can almost feel the darkness, can't you? It's almost like darkness is stronger than the light, that it just quenches the light out. It's just overpowering. And you think about it, really, the default for the universe is darkness. When you begin to take the light away, 
all of a sudden the darkness overcomes, and it will overcome if given enough time and opportunity, even in your spiritual life. But John says Jesus is a light that shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not overcome him. And in a place where there was darkness and there was death, and I'm talking about when Jesus came into our world, this, this very dark place, th there, was, there was light and life in Jesus. And that light, John says, was the light of men. Again, his words reflect the creation story. All the way back in the very beginning. Because at one time, the Bible says, this place was totally dark. It was empty. It was void. There was nothing. And then God spoke. And there was light. And the first words ever coming out from the mouth of God that we know is, let there be light. And you began to see, okay, God gave us light in the beginning. But then when we needed a Savior, God said, I'm going to send another light. There needs to be some light in this dark place that, 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 that the darkness cannot overcome. And, and the Bible all throughout the Old Testament says things like, to us a child was born. This is the light that John's talking about. Isaiah says a son was giving and Jesus became the light of the world. Because of that, anybody that follows Jesus carries that light in them. Y'all have a little bit of light in you. Hopefully you got a lot of light in you. And when you go into the dark places in your life, that light should come out and it should not be overtaken by the darkness around you. Because Jesus' light cannot be overcome. And Jesus taught us as His followers in, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you, now you. I came as the light, but now you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And here's what it does. It gives light for all who are in the house. And here's our instruction. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So because Jesus was the light and we have His light in us, we can shine the light. Matter of fact, we must shine the light. I mean, if we aren't shining the light of Jesus, guess what's going to happen? The darkness is going to begin to overtake us. And we've seen that in too many of our communities. But we can trust, because of where that light comes from, that it ain't going to be overcome. The church can rest on that promise. Now John goes on to teach us that there's a way, there's a, a process that every one of us is going to have to follow, that wants to follow Christ, we have to go through this process of receiving Him. Notice what he says. He, he talks about John the Baptist being the forerunner to Jesus, how John told of the light. And then in verse 10, he says, He, Jesus, the Son of God, He was in the world, and the world was created through Him, and yet the world did not recognize Him. He came to His own. His own people did not receive him but to all who did receive him he gave them the right to be the children of god to those who believe in his name who were born not of natural descent or the will of flesh or the will of man but of god and here's what you have to realize this morning is jesus must be received have you ever gotten a gift from somebody and you didn't accept it for whatever reason. Maybe you're mad at them. I don't know. 
Maybe that old boyfriend brought you something. You didn't want it. Maybe your husband got you something for Christmas. You're like, this is just pitiful. It, it didn't fit, and you sent it back. <laughs> he come in with that treadmill, and you're like, you got to be joking. <laughs> but let's say, uh, for example, everybody, is there anybody in here that wouldn't want a million bucks? I didn't think so. At least you're honest. Somebody gives you a million bucks. How good is that million bucks if you just leave it sitting? You don't take it. You don't receive it. You don't put it in your bank account. You don't put it in your sock drawer or whatever you do with your money. You just don't accept it. Likewise, God has given us the gift of His only Son. But if we don't receive the free gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, it's really no good to us. And John's saying Christ must be received. He must be accepted in order for you to be born again, in order to be born into God's family. So I love the way that, that John is just in awe here of who Jesus is. He says he was in the world. He was in the very thing he helped create. Which Wrap your mind around that for a minute. How did he do that? But John says this thing that he created didn't even know who he was. And because of that, they didn't receive him. They didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, but his own people received him not. But there were some, John says, that did receive him. And to those that actually received him, he gave them the right to be called the children of God. And so what does John mean when he says to receive Jesus? Well, it's the same word used elsewhere that can mean to, to take something up. Okay? Or take something on. So it's kind of like, if you've got a boat, maybe a lifeboat, trying to make a good illustration here, it's the same word that you would use in John's day to get on that boat, or that boat takes you on as a passenger. It's the same word you could use to say you put something on, like your clothes, or to put on a robe. And just like you would do in this, this boat would take you on, or you'd put on clothes, we, John says, have to, through faith, put on Jesus. We've got to receive and accept Him through belief, through faith. It's why we use words in church sometimes that we say things like, you've got to accept Jesus into your heart and into your life. You're taking Him on as, your, as you don't have any righteousness of your own. You're taking His on yourself. How do we do this? Well, John says it's through believing. It's through faith and trust in Jesus that He is the eternal Word of God. He is the Son of God. He's God with us. He's the only way to God. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. And for those who receive Him through believing, through faith, they're born into God's family. Everybody here has a mom and dad. You may not like them. You may not know them. But you've got a mom and a dad, and you were born into their family or some other earthly family. But when you come to Jesus, you get reborn into the family of God to be His children. John chapter 3, when Nicodemus came to talk to Jesus in the middle of the night, Jesus got right to the point. He said, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Anyone who believes in Him is not condemned. Is, not, is that not good news? But it, Amen. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned. It all goes back to that faith. That faith that leads you to accept Jesus for who He is. And here's what John says. Because he's not believed in the name of the one and only 
Son of God. And so the real question here for us, for those listening online later, is have you ever received Jesus Christ through faith? Have you ever accepted His free gift of salvation and made Him the Lord of your life? If not, we're going to give you the opportunity here in just a few minutes, okay? But here's why. Here's the most important thing that you'll ever hear me preach. Look at verse 14. John says, The Word didn't just stay Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Last point this morning is that Jesus became one of us to save us. This may very well be the last sermon that I preach from this pulpit. And I want you to hear this this morning. It's the most important thing that you'll, you'll ever hear me talk about or you've ever heard me talk about. And, and as a church, I, I encourage you to stay focused on this. No matter what ministries you do, no matter what sermon series you go through and what grand things you do as a church, keep the gospel of Jesus Christ in the forefront of everything you do. Because without the gospel, disciples are never made. God loved the world so much this dark, broken place, that He became a man, that the Word became flesh, and He lived a sinless, perfect life. He suffered and died for our sins. He rose from the grave, ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, and He's coming back. And the Bible says, John, in fact, tells us that whosoever will believe. we got a lot of whosoever still out there. And a lot of them will believe if we give them the opportunity. But whosoever would believe, John said, whoever would receive Jesus in faith, they could be saved and have everlasting life. So notice the magnitude of what John's saying here. There's one little verse. He's saying that this all-powerful Creator God, this everlasting being who's existed from eternity past became flesh. And he became this man that we know as Jesus 2,000 years ago. And Jesus was fully God. He was fully man. He was the perfect revelation of God the Father to mankind. And I love the language that John uses here in the Greek when he says, and he dwelt among us. You know what that word means, Brian? It means that he pitched his tent among his people. Isn't that not cool? And what he's getting at is it's a reflection back to the Old Testament. When out there in the wilderness, Moses and that bunch pitched the tabernacle, the tent of God, where the glory of God dwelt among God's people. In the temple, we saw the same thing. Now we have the very Son of God himself pitching his tent among his people once again. And John says, and we beheld his glory. <laughs> Full of grace and truth. Living among us. Teaching us who God really is. And it's in Jesus, it's in the word becoming flesh that I believe we see the perfect demonstration of God's love for us. God proves his love 
for us because that word that became flesh, that flesh would be beaten and, 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 and torn and pierced and hung on a cross and killed and laid to rest for our sins. And John goes on to tell us in 1 John chapter 4, he said God's love was revealed among us in this way. That God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this. <laughs> and not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Folks, if you never hear me say another word, hear this right here. There is nothing better in this world than Jesus Christ. You won't find anything better up in the head of that holler. You won't find anything better at the bottom of a bottle. You won't find anything better in the arms of another person. You won't find anything better in that promotion at work or no matter how much money you make. There is nothing that will compare to knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. So this morning, this is a question for all of us. And that is, what will you do with him. What will you do with Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, if you're not saved this morning, guess where you need to start? By beginning a relationship with him and receiving him in faith. It's a free gift. But for the rest of us that know him, what are you going to do with him? If you love him, are you telling somebody else about him? Because that's where we need to go. If you are following him, can you honestly look at yourself and say, that you love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think that should be our goal. Stand together. I want to pray with you, folks. Father, we're so thankful to be here this morning to hear Your Word. And Lord, today, more than anything, <coughs> excuse me, Whew. Lord, we're thankful that you've given us Jesus. Lord, I pray that no matter what we do, that no matter where we go, Father, that we would just keep our eyes fixed on him. And that when people see us, they would see the light of Jesus in us. Lord, that we would all be witnesses to what he's done for us in our life, that he saved our souls, that he's changed our lives forever. And God, if there's someone that does not know Him or they've, they've fallen away from Him, Lord, I just pray this morning they choose to come home. That they come back. Lord, we thank You for Your love for us and for proving that love through Your Son. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. Remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.